Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowen Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bowen Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else. And it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash. And they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back, no questions asked. So head to BolinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code RESTFUL15. That's B-O-L-L-N Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It is E3 week, and this is the second of our special episodes covering the E3 press conferences. I'm Jeff Kanata. Joining me, as always, my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, One Point Win. How are you? <laughs> we started this recording just slightly late because I was glued to the last seconds of Game 5 of the NBA Finals at my beloved Golden State Warriors barely clinging on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a thousand heart attacks at the end of that game. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about E3. I hope you listened. Last night we had a, a special episode, the first of our E3 special episodes, talking about the press conferences of yesterday, Microsoft, and um, and Google Stadia from earlier in the week, and somebody else. Well, I can't even remember. Who was it yesterday? It's a blur. EA. Microsoft. EA, that's right. We got, we got more press conferences. It's weird when there's no Sony to bookend things, but uh, we got more press conferences today, and we're going to talk about it. This is, uh, this is a special episode talking all about the biggest week in the gaming calendar, uh, and then we're going to have our big wrap-up of E3 at the end of the week. But Christian, the day started off with the PC gaming show, which is just a few years old at this point, PC having its own showcase. And it's still, I think, going through a little bit of growing pains. I think this year was the best it's been, but still, you know, uh, not the most riveting show all the time, I would say. But yeah, I would agree with you. You're not so far. You're not on a ledge. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there are there was a lot of really cool stuff. We're not going to step through all of it, but uh, there was a lot of cool stuff announced at the PC game show. Uh, I'm I have a few highlights myself. There was a lot of Shenmue 3 shown. Um, Did you get a chance to see the Shenmue 3 footage, Christian? I did, and I'm uh, now. It's on Game Pass One and Two. Again, recapping from yesterday, I have it for the rest of my life for a penny. Um, mm-hmm. is what I, but I have a tattoo on my back that says Game Pass. It says Christian is sponsored by Game Pass. Um, I, we wish <laughs> that I had the tattoo or that I was sponsored by Game Pass. A little of both. Okay, a little cool. of both. I wish a little of both. Um, so they're there and easy to play for you know pretty much anybody. And these, this, I mean this, this footage of Shenmue Three. It it looks like. Shenmue, which I think is both like, heck yeah, it looks like Shenmue, and also like, yeah, that was a Dreamcast game, dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm of uh, both sides of a coin. Where part of me is like, this is what you should do. It's a new story in that universe, and I think it'd be weird if the third game all of a sudden looked like, you know, photorealistic cyberpunk 27. Like I'd be like, that's not for you. That's not how this looks. Right. And the other side of me is like, okay, <laughs> where are you on it? Ah, man, I don't know. I, I've been the same thing. and I hate the fact that I keep beating the same drum where I, I think this game is, is really going to thrill a very, very, very small niche of people that know what they're getting into. And that's what just, Shenmue 1 and 2 did also, though. Let's not forget. Yeah, but it was a different time. Big sellers. I meant they satisfied a small group of people. Yeah, no, I was one of them uh, at the time. I, I played through both of those games and really loved them, but it was because there wasn't, anything like that there wasn't no just normal life in japan game there was no game that was a big open world that felt like you could explore and that it was this this real life city that 
came to life. They just, we didn't have that kind of thing. And now open world is the norm and cities much more complex and interesting have been brought to life digitally. And so it, it, it's not really special anymore, I don't think. Uh, and I, I never really, I mean, we had this whole discussion yesterday about story and games, but I never really came to Shenmue for reused story per se. I was, uh, I, I really loved the idea of, oh, what about a video game where you just live life, a, a, like a normal life? Yes, there's karate and you know, kung fu and, and, and sort of that stuff. And he does some amazing things, but mostly it's just a kid who takes care of a cat and drives a forklift and <laughs> tries to solve a mystery of what happened to his dad. You know, it's, it's, um, who was horribly murdered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a kid average day, but you know what I mean? It, it, it was interesting. So I don't know. I, I don't have much hope that this game is going to wow me, but, uh, I think it's going to be a, a very, popular thing for a very small group of people and disappointing for a larger group that thinks it is something it is not but you know yeah. Uh, lo- yeah lots of other stuff at the pc game show i don't know if there's anything uh that caught your eye i have several other games that really surprised me yeah i, I think i'll let you take it because i don't think much jumped out at me i thought it was a really odd mix of um you know, small quirky games and not a lot of chest thumping PCs where you get the best graphics, which it had been like maybe two years ago. And this year, the conference to me felt smaller. And um, I I guess the only one that stood out to me is ancestors, ancestor, Mm -hmm. the uh, ancestry, the the new game from the creator of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I feel like it was the first time we saw kind of some extended stuff of that. And it's coming Um, out soon. It's like August, I think. Yeah. It's very soon. So I think that's the one that jumped out at me, but the other games all felt like each one of them feels like could be a game of the year, but I also don't know enough. It's like, this is quirky and cute and fun. What is it? Well, we got the new uh, big shooter from people can fly uh, teased. It's called outriders. Uh, It's gonna be a cooperative shooter. People can fly made, Bulletstorm and yeah. Gears of War Judgment. They were also at... Right, uh, yeah. They'll come up later again, maybe. Or we can talk about it now, but they were also at uh, Square's press conference. Right. The the Bulletstorm game, I you know, I always thought was pretty good. I thought it was a, a kind of an underrated game. But, um, it, you know, it, it it's going to be a big, bombastic, loud shooter. Uh, and I'm excited to see more of it. I think it could be, could be interesting. Could be cool. Um, the other interesting game, uh, midnight ghost hunt. Did you see this one? It's basically ghostbusters, but not on brand for ghostbusters. Uh, it's a game yeah. where you play, you play ghostbusters, uh, fighting against other players who play the ghosts and they can possess any object in the house and throw it at you and do crazy stuff. It looked kind of clever and interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it looked more fun to me before it came out as this PvP kind of game. I was hoping it'd be kind of a puzzle, you know, game where it's you against the computer, and and I didn't know which side I'd be excited to play as. They both sounded interesting. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting when the developer talked about it. And it's like, oh yeah, if you get to midnight, the ghosts will win because <laughs> it's like they become so OP. And I think that is an interesting take on it. But I I personally find that these um. You know, Friday. The, it's not quite Friday the Thirteenth, but these imbalanced PvP games, yeah, often asymmetrical, frustrating. yeah, As- yeah, because you always want to be one thing and <laughs> not the other. And I don't know which one it would be in this uh, scenario. Clever idea, and you know, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan, and I don't think Ghostbusters has worked as a video game yet. So uh, this could be a way to sideways get into that and have that experience without the IP. That's kind of cool. Um, the new game from. Sam Barlow, the creator of Her Story, which was a big indie darling several years ago, uh, Telling Lies debuted, uh, which is more of that kind of full motion video, real actors talking to the camera, you putting together clues, looking at their life, very much the template of Her Story, but nobody has done it. And Her Story was really interesting and it's such a cool idea. It certainly seems like he's got a bigger budget this time. There are you know big name Hollywood actors. Um, so that's exciting, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they have talked around this or about this game for a while now. So it wasn't like, uh, they're doing another one. And I'm curious to see how um, known actors affect it, where I thought it was her story was interesting because it did just seem like 
it could have been released a la Blair Witch, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was, where it's like, is this real? Um, It felt very small and personal, but I I loved it. And I think it's such an interesting um, idea for a game and a game mechanic where it's, you know, something that no one else is doing anything like it. The closest would be uh, L.A. Noir, right? Where it's like a truth detector more than anything else. It's it's fascinating. But this does really tie into that whole feeling of, recording our lives and the fact that they're using actual video of real humans yeah. not cg it's it's a different feeling kind of game as her story was so uh, i'll definitely check this game out when it when it launches um and then a couple of games that i want to highlight that just blew me away there's a game that i've had on my radar i think two gdc's ago i saw a game called Griftlands. it looks like a saturday morning cartoon as an rpg and two years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this game. And then it sort of went radio silent for a long time. And people were even wondering if it got canceled. They showed it again here at the PC game show. And it now is announcing a sort of reimagining of what it's going to be. Originally, it was going to be this big role-playing game and it still sort of is, but now it has merged into more of a uh, card combat negotiation game. And, I'm there for that. I mean, I was excited for it to be a big role-playing game, but doing it as sort of a slay the spire with narrative where you're collecting cards as attacks, but you're also collecting cards as discussion attacks, you know, like you're negotiating with people by playing cards on them, a really clever idea. And if you have a chance to see the Griftlands trailer, I guarantee you it will wow you in terms of the animation style. If you're a fan of, you know, the old Saturday morning cartoons, this game, I'm. It, it is making a play for my E3 game of show. It looks that exciting. Wow. It is. It is my jam, a hundred percent. So I'm really excited for Griftlands. Yeah, I hope it does well because I want to see the cartoon. <laughs> like the, the characters <laughs> yeah, look really did. cool. Like when they bust open the door, such a fun moment of that that mix of the old Saturday morning cartoon with like you know a newer take on how quick cuts can or can't be. Uh, it's yeah. very stylish. Yeah, and I love that collecting cards, combat, Slay the Spire style. I mean, it's it looks really good. So it, I guess uh, it is going to be an early alpha in just a couple of weeks, but then it's going to – a year, June, it goes into early access. So it's going to be an alpha for a year and then an early access on Steam. So it's like it's a long way off. But 2020. The year where games go to die (laughs) (laughs) or live. Uh, And then the last game that I really wanted to spotlight from the PC game show, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff, but the other game that, you know, caught my eye was a game called songs of conquest, which they straight up said is basically inspired by heroes of might and magic, which Mm -hmm. is a series that I loved and still love. And the games that, are heroes of might and magic like I tend to like. So this looks really cool. And it's kind of got this rad pixel art visual style. Um, Songs of conquest looks really cool. So again, another game that you can sign up for the closed alpha soon. Um, But I think a, a pretty strong showing from the PC game show, all things considered, like you said, it's not exactly we're going to push your rig to the max type stuff, but it's so many interesting under the radar, cool looking, different titles. I, I thought the show actually wowed me a little bit this year, much more than it has in the past. Yeah. I could feel the sponsorship change, right? I feel like the years where it's been like tech, 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 it's been Nvidia or AMD or whomever sponsoring it. And this year was the Epic game store. So it very much felt like, and here are some interesting titles that you will find on the Epic game store. Right. Right. Um, Not all of them were, but it felt like it had that shift. My only, you know, critique of the thing is still of the conference as a whole is I think it'd be better served as just a digital presentation. I find that the live audience isn't they don't have like the hype fans there the way some of the publishers or console manufacturers do. So it seems like a lot of press that's enthusiastic and there to listen, but it's still being played for the camera. So I think it feels smaller than it than it otherwise would if it was just you know, um, here are these two incredible presenters doing what they do well, talking to the camera, bringing in these guests that have time to prepare, great shot interviews, and then cutting to incredible game footage. 
and we're done in 45 minutes. Yeah. I think it's a more effective way to get that information out. Overall, I feel like this year the press conferences seem to feel longer than they have, almost to the point of, okay, this is a lot. You don't have to give us every single bit of information in your press conference. I don't know. They didn't feel like they had good pacing this year, almost across the board. Even Microsoft just felt like at the end I was a little fatigued. Um, I feel like a lot of that is because it's, in my opinion, so many of the games are March 2020. <laughs> Maybe. And so it's like, yeah, that's really exciting. Or, or like for Microsoft, it was what we talked about yesterday, the X Cloud, but then like Holiday 2020, Project Scorpio, or <laughs> Project Scorpio, Project Scarlet, yeah. Holiday 2020. So it's it's hard to stay up, I think, when it's like, here's all these great games. Here's the one you'll play this year. And also <laughs> yeah. the next five years. Right. Uh, we had uh you'll have to indulge me that we also had the first ever e3 vr showcase this year and they showed over 30 vr titles I'm not going to step through all of them i only mentioned a, a few that caught my eye but but you will put your face on all i'm going to put my face on as many as i possibly can there's a lot of really cool stuff here uh some new cool dlc for arizona sunshine new cool dlc for I expect you to die uh there is uh, a bunch of Echo Arena is coming to Quest, which is a pretty cool thing. That's the Lone Echo multiplayer mode. That's basically which means they they gotta be working on the full game, I don't right? Know, I hope so, but I feel like that might like, be beyond Quest's ability to handle. But uh, Echo Arena is basically Ender's Game. Uh, the, if you've read Ender's Game or watched the movie, it's that in VR, which is super rad. Uh, Arizona Sunshine is coming to Quest, a great zombie shooter. Yeah. Um, bunch of games are coming to PlayStation VR, including Budget Cuts, which is a great game. Budget Cuts coming to P- PSVR. Uh, Budget Cuts 2 is happening, they announced. Um, uh, man, there's so many really cool things happening. There's a big, huge update for Autica. But for me, the two biggest VR announcements that they had here at E3 are a new game from Servios, which is one of the yeah. best... VR developers, they did um, uh, Raw Data and uh, Sprint Vector, which are both incredible VR titles. Their new game is called Battle Wake, and it is a pirate ship battle game that looks like this insane, arcadey, fast-paced, on the high seas. It's basically what I wanted Sea of Thieves to be, uh, but in VR, you can do... Uh, there's a co-op mode, there's... Uh, it looks like crazy. There's a campaign where you, you know, unlock new ships, but it looks this, this wild high speed ramming ships, firing cannons, uh, unlocking these cool abilities. Like you get a Leviathan's tentacle to come out of the water, all, all kinds of craziness. And these guys know how to do VR. They are some of the best VR developers in, in, on the planet. And so battle wake definitely has my attention. I'll, I'll, I'm excited for that. Yeah, as the son of a sailor who uh, broke his father's heart by never wanting to learn how to sail because of immediate seasickness, um, <laughs> maybe maybe this is how my dad and I can bond. But I'm also kind of afraid of like the two things that have occasionally made me nauseous. Well, I love together. I love that they're they're serious. Is like, oh, do people think you get nauseated playing VR? Let's do a <laughs> seafaring game, and you know, it's it's pretty crazy because basically they said in the announcement of Battle Wake we're taking everything we learned from sprint vector and applying it to vehicles. Like that was the pitch of this game. We were like, Hey, we learned how to make sprint vector where you could go super fast, not get nauseated, feel awesome. Can we do that with vehicles? And they went, yeah, what should we do it with? Let's do pirates (laughs) because you know, it's the biggest challenge to do a C game and not get seasick. So kudos to them for like, you know, having the guts to do that. But the game that I am most excited about uh, that was announced in the VR showcase is from another top tier, maybe one, maybe my favorite VR developer, Cloudhead. These are the this is the team that did uh, the Gallery episodes one and two. Some of the most amazing VR games are still available, uh, and they are doing a new game called Pistol Whip, which just got announced. It's like somebody. It's like Beat Saber and Super Hot had a baby. It looks yeah. so awesome. I mean, Cloudhead has done 
narrative and adventure and slow pace and puzzles and that kind of stuff in VR. And it's great. This looks like the most insane first person shooting, uh, action sequence game. So it's got the, it's got the beat saberness of being a rhythm game because you're it's, it's scored to music and it's got the super hot thing of you're shooting and you're in this action sequence, but it looks like you're constantly moving forward. And yeah, it's not like a rhythm game where you have to hit things in a specific order. It, you have all these options. You're in this massive shooting gallery and you, and it's scored to the music. So you're like in this cool shooting gallery, but you have a million options of what you can be shooting to score points. And you're progressing through at this high pace and it looks psychedelic and crazy. I'm so down for pistol whip. Yeah, what was um I was trying to Google it. Uh I was like it's not Area 7. It was one of those it's like all white and you were this hip girl in the space station kind of like dancing and shooting. Um mm, I don't know. Was it GameCube era? Oh, you mean um Space Channel 5? No. No, no, no. Okay. no. It was like it's just it was a shooting game, but you were kind of gliding through cover mechanics. It was very stylish. I can't find it uh because i'm also listening to you and not just focused on my internet searching Mm. anyway it reminded me of that (laughs) this game whose name i can't think of where it's like you're kind of being propelled through the uh the space but it looked as if the person playing was also like kind of ducking behind cover as it was coming at them like it looked like maybe there were some bullet time effects for bullets coming at vanquish Mm, no not vanquish vanquish um it was earlier than that um but it looks really cool. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it's I mean, kind of like looks a little like Res almost, but crazier and more intense. Uh, I and they say it's coming to Quest, so that's awesome. Um, right. Yeah, I mean the the visuals look so crazy. It looks like it. It looks like it was definitely inspired by Super Hot, but just turned to 11. It's super, you know, super hot is, can be very slow because you're thinking and then you move and then you think and then you move. This game just looks like this insanity. And I was, I've been mulling around this, this desire to have a beat saber game in VR. That is a narrative. Like what if you could make beat uh-huh. saber? What if you made a star Wars game that plays like beat saber in VR, but you're not, hitting musical notes or, or, you know, abstracted shapes, you're hitting things that Darth Vader is throwing at you. You know what I mean? What yeah. And you're playing through this narrative sequence. You're doing, you're doing the same cool, fun, thrilling VR movements of slicing things in, in Beat Saber, but it's in the context of progressing a story and finding out what happens next. This isn't exactly that, but I kind of feel like it's a step in that direction. Yeah, the game I was thinking of was Piano Three, which is a Capcom. It's one of like the uh, Capcom Five. I remember that game. Yeah, GameCube game. That's a deep cut. Deep cut. I'm all about that game. All about life, that. You know, deep cut. Anyway, I think a strong showing for the VR showcase and lots of different VR uh, hardware games announced. It was neat that it was, you know, pan hardware. It was across all of them. PSVR and but it did leave me going like quest 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 ah yeah 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 some of that stuff yeah um but I'm very excited that Pistol Whip is coming to Quest Man because that that game just looks insane and so cool yeah and I love Cloudhead I just believe in them yeah all right so let's get to the juicy stuff next up was Ubisoft and uh, Ubisoft had a lot of expectation people were thinking we were going to get a Splinter Cell. Uh, people were thinking we were going to get, you know, a lot of new information about, um, you know, the Rainbow Six, which we did. <laughs> and uh, they and and Ghost Recon, you know, they had been teasing Ghost, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. This show had a lot of Tom Clancy in it. That's for sure. It was like wall to wall Tom Clancy. It's a uh, Ubisoft is the Tom Clancy company. Make no mistake of that. Yeah. Yeah, it had. Uh... It's tough because I like a lot of these games. I look at my collection and I own a lot of them, but it had a lot of uh, – they could have showed any game and they could have put any franchise on it and adjusted the time accordingly. Like it could have been Assassin's Creed 3021. I'd be like, oh, cool, 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 dope. Or they could have been, you know, Watch Dogs 
uh, cartoon Greek edition. I'd be like, cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, they make a very specific kind of game at Ubisoft. And I've come around. I mean, I, I used to not be super excited about this company. They've sort of secretly become one of my favorite publishers based on Assassin's Creed, Odyssey, and Division 2. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned Watch Dogs. They kicked off their show with Watch Dogs Legion, which is a game that leaked, but I don't think we really understood exactly how it was going to work. It's a game set in London, and you are not just playing one character. You're playing a group of people that you recruit into a resistance, fighting an uh, autocratic rule, and all over this massive realized city of London, you'll be able to come into contact with, they, they claim any one you see, any NPC you see can be recruited. And then you can play as that person with full voice acting, full complement of abilities and shortcomings. And then when that person dies, it's permadeath and you got to use another person from your stable that you've collected. Uh, they showed a wide variety of players and character player characters, I should say. Uh, including a, a a granny by the name of Helen, uh, which tickled me. Um, what did you make of Watch Dogs Legion, Christian? Hi, I'm Christian Spicer. I'm here to voice 4,226 characters for Watch Dogs 3. <laughs> um, this is going to be Guy pushing a shopping cart. And I'm pushing a shopping cart. Now I work for Dead Sec. Um, this is going to be... Guy buying a magazine. Hey, can I get a magazine? Now I work for Dead Set. I, I, you um, joke, but it does. Moly. It does seem like a Herculean task. To, I mean, how much freedom do you have to use all these people? Do they have to record all of the game's dialogue for every single crazy yeah. NPC? Because I want to just play through the whole game as Helen. Can I do that? Right, right. Like how? So I, I think I told you this when it was happening. It's like this seems so ambitious and very yeah. cool but then i do wonder like how segmented people might be right because they show you recruiting that the one guy of the the story arc of the uh press conference was getting a drone expert so does that person kind of only do that thing right and when you need to drive a car he's like oh i don't got a driver's license and then you <laughs> yeah. gotta go i need i need know. i need four thousand characters to say oh i ain't got a driver's license <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> you gotta go recruit recruit mason uh Kaysom. Um, Uh, so i don't know i don't and i and i think the the potential pitfall of that would be when you can play as literally anyone they either all need to be fun or just like that's not fun or if everybody still feels too samey then it's like it doesn't matter who you are and it's like is helen doing backflips off a building yeah it's just a a palette swap at that point you know you're just wearing a skin of a of a different character yeah. yeah i hope you're right i hope there are qualities of these characters that make it worth my while to switch through. And because I got to say, I couldn't be less interested in the watchdogs franchise, but this idea of not playing as one character, but playing as this ever expanding roster of characters that you switch between seems really interesting. And the way it is implemented, the way they demonstrated it being implemented is really interesting too. So mm-hmm. I, I might, I might be into this. This might be really interesting and cool i hope it has a different tone than the previous watchdogs games um would you be into it for 14 dollars a month <laughs> well we'll get to that <laughs> uh, i mean we can talk about that now if you want i mean the, like everybody else we are in the the battle of the subscription services and yeah. ubisoft announced their version of the subscription service which is you play plus you know, all the things you like about Uplay plus some more. Plus well, some stuff you don't like. Yeah, what are the things we like about Uplay? It's that thing that I have to install in order to play Ubisoft games on my it's PC. It's gotten better. It's easy to make fun of it, but it, it, it has gotten better. It was a mess when it launched. Yeah. Just like Steam. Uh, $14.99 seems like on the high end of what we're talking about for these services. They, do, they did say it would be compatible with Stadia. So I guess Stadia's subscription is like, oh, that's just a subscription to have these other well, subscriptions. But so, but that, I read an article, I forget where it was, maybe Verge or somewhere. I don't want to throw a site under the bus if it wasn't them. But I think that stuff gets confl- conflated, right? Where it's like, you don't need a scrip- subscription for Stadia. Right. But if I have so it, you, I also need a subscription yes, but, for this one? Well, yes, of course you do. <laughs> Just like I have Game Pass, but I also need EA. Yeah. I think it's more like I have uh, um, uh, 
cable, but I also need HBO. Yeah, yeah, and so the subscription to Stadia gives you whatever those Stadia include, whatever those games end up being, whatever their you know pass of games ends up being. Yeah, and UPlay Plus gives you a hundred plus Ubisoft games and all of the DLC and expansion content. They said so. It's it's interesting because it does seem expensive, but if you buy three Ubisoft games a year, this is this is better. Yeah, you know, yeah. aside from like any ownership issues we kind of talked about yesterday. Um, I think it's super interesting, especially with Stadia. Like I could do the free tier of Stadia and do Uplay Plus and I guess have them all on my PC, but then also play them anywhere via Stadia for free. Is that the pitch? Because that's pretty compelling, I think. It's so funny how in the last five years, TV has gone, hey, you know what we can do? We'll actually sell you things a la carte. You don't have to have a subscription to a – well, if you want to go on Apple TV or iTunes or whatever and you can buy just the episodes you want to watch or the seasons you want to watch. Well, it's this new thing we're doing with TV where we'll sell it a la carte and video games are doing the exact opposite. They're like, hey, we're doing this – we've been doing it a la carte since we started. Now we're going to get into the <laughs> subscription business. You can just buy a subscription and you watch as much of this stuff as you want. It's really interesting how that's converging and they're both going opposite directions. But Yeah. Um, some – Weirder stuff in the Ubisoft. There's always weird stuff in the Ubisoft presentation for sure. Um, one of them is a new television show from um, the creator of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia um, called Mythic Quest, which is a comedy series about a fictional video game studio. Evidently, they partnered with Ubisoft in some way to have insight. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think this has a chance of being really funny. It's going to be on Apple TV plus a weird thing to put in your E3 press conference, I think, but cool. Cool. Um, what else did we get? Um, Gods and monsters. Well, that's what closed the show, right? Sorry, got... uh, nothing then. Yeah. Nothing else yet. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk, I want to talk before we get to gods and monsters. Cause that was their big mic drop game. Uh, Roller champions, which is something different and unique. I think it is very much trying to grab onto a little bit of that rocket league juice. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if there are many games that are, that really are rocket league likes yet, but this certainly seems like one. Uh, did you have any, I know you're a big rocket league fan. Do you feel like roller champions might be fun? I hope it's fun. It leaked. So, you know, I've thought about it for a, a week now and I'm curious to see, I think it depends on how balanced it is when it plays. Like, it, is it like, um, what's the Mario Kart track where you just like baby circuit where you go around a hundred times or whatever it is. And it's just like blue shell, blue shell, green shell, green, you know, like how yeah. much variability is there and what you're able to do or accomplish? Or does it feel like you're always getting taken down or beat up? But I think it looks well, how much cool. variability is there in rocket league? A lot. Really? Isn't there this like the one? Well, in terms of what you're doing, trying to get the ball in the goal with the way you do it, like you're not necessarily always getting griefed and boxed into a corner and, you know, not let up. And sometimes if you watch real life roller derby, it's just like, let them up. Oh, man, that poor person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it looks interesting. I like the art style a lot. It's a fun, bright, cheery, cartoony aesthetic that isn't uh, neon, right? Like it's bright. neon. It's bright, but not what everybody else is doing when they try bright. Yeah, it's a little neony. I'm looking at it right now. It's a <laughs> little neony, but yeah, it's it, 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 you know kudos to them for cutting out something that doesn't look like everything else because their press conference just felt like wall to wall realistic paramilitary shooter. I mean, yeah. Ghost Recon Breakpoint is going to be a huge game that I think will probably be very good. And there's like 27 Tom Clancy things. There's oh, and then the horror Rainbow Six, not Siege. Yeah, it's uh, Rainbow Six contamination or something. Mm, quarantine. quarantine, Rainbow yeah. Six quarantine, uh, which is I, at a certain point, aren't you just cannibalizing your own market? If you're if if you're Ghost Recon and you're Rainbow Six and you're Rainbow Six quarantine and you're Tom Clancy's Elite Squad and you're Division Two, it feels like all those games are for the same audience. I don't. Maybe yeah. I'm naive on that, but it just seems like. I mean, I guess I'm proof that that's not true because I'll play Division Two and not Rainbow Six hmm. Siege. So maybe, maybe that maybe there are differences in the audience, but it certainly seems like the same people will like 
those all those games. It just feels like you're double dipping into the same audience. But but maybe that's good in your subscription service, right? If yeah, yeah. Give people keep giving people the shows they like. Um, I do think it's interesting. It solves a problem that I had with Siege just kind of when it launched of like families hiding in their homes and people going to kill other people. Um, yeah, it launched around a time which are far too often in our society now, but of, of a mass shooting. And so now if it's supernatural, and you're trying to, you know, board up your defenses for that. Um, maybe it's something where I can get behind the uh, a, a mythology I can get behind to go do my fun shooty shoots. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what they're doing at Ubisoft. Uh, no Beyond Good and Evil 2. I didn't expect it to be there, but I know a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't. I think the game is quite a ways off, probably be on next-gen consoles. And they talked about it a lot last year, so I, I really wasn't expecting an update on that game. Yep. But I know some people were disappointed. Uh, no reveal of the next official Assassin's Creed, which I think everybody is expecting will be Vikings, which sounds awesome to me. But none of that discussion. And no Splinter Cell. No Splinter Cell. I think that was really the biggest rumor that we would finally get either an official next Splinter Cell or some sort of remastered Splinter Cell. Yeah. But no. We got Sam in a mobile game. Sam in a mobile game. Yeah. yeah. But what we did get was an unexpected reveal that you, you already mentioned, Gods and Monsters, which is based on the 1998 film with Ian McKellen about the director of Frankenstein <laughs> who falls in love with his gardener. Uh, no. It is... From what they they say from the creators of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I immediately perked up because I think that is one of the best open world action RPGs of all time. And this is a very different looking game than Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It has a much more cartoony aesthetic. And evidently it is about myth and legend. The, The setup and presentation for this was all centered around how, oh, we were kind of sick of using actual history. We wanted to dip into myth and legend. And the tagline is something along the lines of, you know, when when you have to kill a god, you, you, you have to pick the player. You have to pick you. You are the one who has to kill a god. So I don't know anything really about it, but what did you think of the teaser for Gods and Monsters? I thought it looked beautiful. It's like um, a mix of... Um you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild, I think in terms of aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's not quite full Breath of the Wild, but um, certainly less realistic than Odyssey was. And yeah. Odyssey already, excuse me, Odyssey already, you know, moved away from realism in a bunch of fun ways by having you be a descendant of a god um, and teleporting across a map, you know, like on the back of your spear or whatever to to kill people. And I, I love thinking about what they can do if they, felt like that held them back <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. like if they were limited in odyssey i'm very excited to see um what large-scale genitalia you'll be able to climb on in gods <laughs> and monsters <laughs> well i i don't think i was particularly taken by the character model designs it felt a little bit too simplistic or at least mm. more simplistic than i would have liked but boy the environments looked painterly and beautiful and it was had a sort of a watercolor look to it that I thought was really interesting. I have my eye on this one just because I think that team is so talented, but who's working on the next Assassin's Creed, if not these guys? The people um, who did Origins. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And also, anyway, God's out and other people at Ubisoft. Yeah, there are a lot of teams. That's for sure. They have a lot of people. Uh, so Ubisoft overall, what did you think, Christian? I mean, it was a lot of shooty shoots, as you said, a lot of, of the Tom Clancy brand. Uh, and lots of expansion talk, lots of DLC talk for established things. Not a lot of new games per se, as far as just pure runtime of the presentation. Mm-hmm. What did you think overall? I liked it. I- I'm excited for uh, Breakpoint Ghost Recon. I'm very excited for that game. I really liked Wildlands a lot. And I like seeing them, you know, they said whatever it was three years ago, that they were really going to commit to their franchises. And it's cool to see that still be a thing you know it's yeah. like they put a lot of time into for honor still which a lot of people kind of wrote off when it came out because of balance problems among other things and it's still it's still rocking you know and it looks like yeah. that new um i don't know if it's a mode or not how to best describe it but looked interesting and i i think um gods and monsters looks really exciting and i think they're still doing fun smaller things here and there that will pop up because ubisoft is also 
you know, Eagle Flight will come out of nowhere or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, so there I really wasn't a game like that. I mean, maybe the roller thing. Yeah, I think that was the closest. Champions. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I was much more I'm much more interested in Watch Dogs Legions than I thought I was going to be. And I'm certainly intrigued by Gods and Monsters. But who knows how far off that game is? It feels like a long way. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like it was one of those press conferences that kind of dragged for me. It just it, there was a lot of uh, time spent on on DLC announcements. And, and I guess that's cool stuff. And I guess it's necessary. But uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't pop in the way that I was hoping it would with any kind of, uh, you know, I guess gods and monsters is that thing, but can we talk about the big news before we switch to the next press conference that I texted you uh, via reset era? What is that? Maybe I missed your text. The, uh, turtles arcade cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're big news. Oh yes. Sure. Well, go ahead, Christian. Well, uh, what's the name of the company? One up arcade. They talked to like those four foot arcades. <laughs> Uh, they've done like Mortal Kombat now and whatever. And per the thread on Reset Era, which was linking to a Forbes article, they're doing a Turtles one, which is Turtles Arcade and Turtles in Time. And they're doing a Marvel Superheroes one, which is Marvel Superheroes, maybe X-Men Children of the Atom, and then Punisher. I know. You're, I'm going to have to spend $300 to get a four-foot arcade just to get the arcade port of Punisher. Because you ah. just bought Punisher on your classic genesis didn't you also for four hundred dollars no yeah <laughs> i i uh i really love the idea of these things i've heard the build quality can be hit or miss but i like the idea of these kind of mini arcades or arcade cabinets that aren't you know two thousand dollars to have at your home and i literally just last week we were talking about with some friends like kind of my forever game i'd be like, oh, it'd probably be a turtles <laughs> yeah but i i we were also discussing the idea of these mini arcades these little four foot arcades playing a four player game like that i guess it's going to have support yeah. for that but how it does. comfortable yes. will that be not which is not i think yeah. these things probably are best for like pac-man where you know you just walk up and play it for a little bit and it's not where I'd really want to stand and play punisher but i'd love to have it in my house they're selling the <laughs> idea of the thing more than the thing honestly yes yes yeah which is why i'm very excited about it and i will not buy it <laughs> <laughs> all right well moving on to square enix because they had the evening position that usually goes to playstation but uh square enix had a big bombastic event of their own and if if uh <laughs> if Ubisoft was the press conference all about Tom Clancy branded things. Square Enix was the press conference all about Final Fantasy. And I guess that makes sense. It's the house that Final Fantasy built. Kicking things off was a big, long presentation for Final Fantasy VII Remake, which looks really good. It looks really good. And clearly they've spent the time and money to make this thing a complete bottom-up remake. Uh, almost, I mean, it's a completely new game, honestly. And well, and they talked about it. The I'm going to get the name wrong, but like the new area that they were building out, like it's going to be a full they're teasing before, like it's got to be episodic because this thing's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they said now it's like, that's a full game. It's two Blu-rays. Yeah. Like this thing is getting massive. And it plays completely different than the original Final Fantasy VII. I mean, Final Fantasy VII is a turn-based Japanese-style role-playing game. And Final Fantasy VII Remake is an action RPG. And they talked a little more in detail about how that combat system is going to work, where if you attack enough times, you'll be able to charge up a meter that'll let you spend it to slow time and, and release big attacks. Uh, and the slowing time looked really cool. I mean, it kind of pauses things in that, uh, you mm -hmm. know, video gamey way, but it's, it's pretty rad. I have to say, I am a little sad that it's not full turn base because that's what I like. And that's what these games were. And it, it feels, it's interesting, I guess, that they're moving to a quote unquote more modern combat system. But what do you, what's your take on that? I think it's the right move. I think if they had just uh, took, taken, taken, took, took, had Final Fantasy VII and put shiny graphics on it, but had the underlying combat be the same, I don't know if that's enough of a reason for people to go back to that game. Um, I don't know if it will bring new players in because it's not as if Square has abandoned 
the turn pace turn pace. Jeez Louise. They haven't? Day. They haven't abandoned turn based? Uh, Octopath. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. And all of the other remasters that they announced. Yeah, yes. There's a um, lot. <laughs> of more standard remasters, not remakes. Uh, they're still out there doing that, you know, style of game. And so I think doing something bold and different with Final Fantasy VII, I, I, I commend. I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I think it's the way that you make the game for the future versus putting a pretty paint of coat on a game from 20 years ago. Yeah. There's a lot, as you said, of these remasters and remakes, mostly remasters. Uh, Last Remnant, which is a surprise now, to me. Out now. Out now, yeah. The 360 game. I played through all that game, man. It's actually not bad. Um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Uh, what else was a remake? Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy VIII, yeah. Uh, remastered. Uh, lots of Final Fantasies. They're all you're going to be able to play all the Final Fantasies on modern systems. That I think is no surprise. Uh, we got Dragon Quest Builders two. We got Octopath Path Traveler on uh, Switch. We no, got Steam. on Steam. Excuse me, on Steam. Uh, it's already on Switch, obviously. Um, we got a very, very, very long trailer for final fantasy 14 yeah <laughs> shadow bringers i mean i kept going and going <laughs> and going uh we got a little bit on dying light 2 uh, i mean all kinds of stuff we got this this new game outriders uh which i talked about in the pc game show uh that was at uh, this new people can fly game one of the games that i i was most intrigued by is a game called circuit superstars yeah which is looks like Super Sprint. Looks yeah. like a modern version of Super Sprint. It looked really cool. I really like the aesthetic. I tweeted, I think, when I, during the press conference, like, this game definitely has my attention. It looks great. I hope it feels good, too. And, like, this, that publishing branch of Square Enix tweeted back, and they're like, it plays amazing. I was like, okay, game <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited. It looks great. But I want to... I want to. I hope it supports, uh, you know, uh, driver wheels, even though I don't have one. You do. Uh, you have I, a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, I hope it supports my Tesla. Put it on <laughs> Tesla. If they can do it with Cuphead, they can do it with Circuit Superstars. Yeah. Um, that would be rad. Oh, my God. Somebody call Elon and say, hey, we should have a driving game on the screen that uses the, the car's actual <laughs> – why, why has nobody I thought of that yet? That's Pole amazing. Position did. I think Pole Position does. Anyway, man, you and I have played many games of Super Sprint against each other, uh, and I love those games from – but like, how do you do a modern version of that? They showed very little of this, but that's a pure arcade experience that's really fun with multiple people standing next to each other. And it's short and it's brief and it's one thing. Is there a way to make this, you know, have a, they, they seem to couch it in a much more serious racing, in a, you know, uh, way that, that it's going to, it's going to be much more of a racing game than it is just going to be this little arcade super sprint style game. Yeah, I couldn't tell. It, it kind of like their the announcement was like so many games have gone this way, and there are so many great you know serious racing games. We wanted to look at something else, so that implied to me that it was going to be a little simpler, smaller game. But then they talked about like planning your pit and stuff like right. that. And it's like, yeah, I think Super Sprint might have had a pit. But I think it was just so you could run through there and run over your uh, tire guys. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wouldn't mind a little bit of strategy to it, and like managing gas or tires or something like that as you're tearing around the course it, it looked it looked fantastic and i love those games i loved the motor storm vita game that were like your little rc cars yeah. that was kind of that Do you remember rc pro-am on the yeah. nes back in the micro day. machines back in the yeah. day also yeah i'm very I excited played, for this game played so much rc pro-am oh my gosh we played that so much when i was a kid you became an rc pro pro hey oh no i was terrible at it <laughs> um and then the big mic drop which took very long. The mic, it took a long time for the mic to drop, but it was good. Marvel's Avengers, the game that I had been most anticipating all of E3 because we heard its big unveiling was finally going to happen. The partnership between Marvel Game Studios and Crystal Dynamics was unveiled. They showed a big, long story trailer. They interviewed the voice cast and talked a lot about how this game is going to continue to grow and expand. It certainly seems to be very narrative based. In fact, when the game 
was first revealed and the first trailer, it sure, it sure seemed like a single player narrative based, you know, uh, uncharted style third person action game. And then later on, they're like, no, no, no. It's basically destiny or the division uh, where you drop in, drop out with co-op and there's going to be rotating story and you're going to level up and you're going to get new stuff. They never showed any gameplay. I guess that's going to be at their booth this week. So I'm excited to see that, but I, I, I don't really know what to make of this quite yet. Yeah, without seeing like how loot is handled or or what that progression is, um, I'm not sure. I I I'm excited about the game. I think my one kind of critique of the trailer, the cinematic that they showed, is I almost wish they took a bolder approach with the character designs, where it mm-hmm. felt like while it isn't the MCU story, it seems like the characters are very much modeled after that version of them right instead and so it kind of created uncanny valley is not the right word i don't think because it's not you know that in between of is this real or is this fake the eyes seem dead it's almost like it like they made a game with the um body doubles from the movie yeah yeah, that scene in in space balls where they accidentally capture the stunt doubles we caught your stunt doubles it's like it feels like that's what happened (laughs) in this video game yeah, and so I, I wish it was a little, I mean, different approach to them totally stylistically, kind of the way Spider-Man was on PS4. Like, you didn't mistake that for Peter Parker for Garfield or right. uh, Tom or... or uh, yeah, it didn't it? look like it was trying Kobe. to be anything other than unique. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I, I kind of wish it did that, but I don't know. I mean, I liked Anthem because it was going to be an Iron Man game, so I'm excited to have an, <laughs> an Iron Man game that's an Iron Man game. Yeah, um, I really want to be excited about this. And for the first 10 minutes of this presentation, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody was wrong. This is going to be a big, like single player story-based game. That's crazy. And then and then they had this other messaging at the end that kind of muddied the waters for me. I'm not really sure what it is. So maybe that's affecting me. But also just visually, boy, it doesn't seem to pop. Uh, hmm. there, were, there were shots with with Iron Man flying over the Golden Gate Bridge doing cool stuff that I was like, oh, that looks cool. But, I mean, l- comparing this to something like um, Injustice, you know, the way DC heroes look in that, and given that's a fighting game where they can spend yeah. all their polygons on, you know, just a static background and, you know, two two characters at once at any given time. I get it. You know, the the budgets, the the polygonal budgets are vastly well, different. Why do we got to compare it to, you know, games more in the genre? But I think you can do that as well. Look at Death Stranding. Who knows how big of a game that is going to be in terms of freedom moving around. Or even or Anthem. Other... I mean, yeah, it, Anthem. It, Anthem looks stunning. And, you know, say what you want about that game, but it, it visually it is top tier. And the especially the 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 real time facial animations and the characters in that it all looks so good i i just I, this game didn't feel like it was pushing any envelopes you know what i'm saying yeah i was i think i'm higher on it than you are i think i mean for me that feeling was the characters weren't quite unique enough i did think it looked good i think the hulk looked great when he jumped out and landed on the bridge i thought that was really cool and exciting i thought iron man flying looked cool i think cap in the helicarrier wherever he was battling around in the trailer that looked really cool um so i'm excited for the game i and i'm excited that they they put the flag down for like no loot boxes all future content's going to be free um and kind of how they what they planted the roadmap for what the game is going to be so i think that's all cool but i am definitely and maybe this is good because it's what march 2020 i'm walking away with far more questions than i have answers at this point after its first unveiling um and maybe we'll know more this week because they seem to indicate that they'll be showing actual gameplay at their booth so maybe we'll be able to talk more when next we record but yeah as a big unveiling it it was a lot and they talked about it a lot but they didn't really say much and that is a bit of a bummer but i have a lot of confidence in crystal dynamics they're a really strong studio And I love this. It's IP. like them and IDOS, right? Like together yeah. and Marvel with their current uh, iteration of so far, it's just Spider-Man, but it looks like uh, Marvel Alliance three is going to be great too. of this, like a uh, Kevin Feige type approach of 
the games, you know, like being careful and curating the games they yeah. make for consoles. So I have every reason to be a true believer still. It was such an interesting moment too when they said this game is coming out for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PC, and Google Stadia. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, that's a thing now. That's a, like a platform now you have to announce. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you said May 15th, 2020. So this E3 is a lot about 2020. And it seems like so many of these games are coming out before the next console cycle. So we're going to get this uh, big explosion of games in the early to mid part of the year. And then the new consoles bring us in the holiday. Uh, 2020 is going to be a big year, man. Yeah. I'm curious how many of these consoles launch with and all like the way the PlayStation was announcement first, like Spider-Man loads in, you know, point in a second now. Yeah. Like where you're going to see all it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all backwards compatible. And Marvel's the Avengers looks even better running on um, Scarlet than it did on Xbox one because of X, Y, Z. I think that's absolutely going to be what what we see is that these consoles are going to launch with huge libraries of new stuff because everything is going to be, you know, cross platform releases in the holiday where it's like, yeah, play it on your PlayStation four or your PlayStation five. Uh, it's going to be yeah. load, you know, in, in, in no time flat in your PlayStation five. And yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It is a weird year, not being able to talk about Sony in a press conference. It does feel like a little, little empty, a little hollow, but I thought the press conferences on the whole were, were pretty good. As I said, some of them felt a little, longer than they should have and poorly paced. Uh, I don't feel like they had the, the uh, maintain the enthusiasm level that in previous years, maybe some of them were able to do, but uh, I think uh, certainly a lot to be excited about for this year's E3. Yeah, I thought it was a good showing and we still have, you know, we're going to wake up to Nintendo tomorrow, yeah. or, you know, 9am uh, Pacific time. And I think there's going to be a good amount of stuff on the show floor that seems like it's still not for 20, until 2020, but is playable. Final Fantasy VII is going to be there. We mentioned Avengers is going to be there. Um, there's a lot to look forward to. I think the hard part about it for me is just this looming next gen that it, you know, it's the monster in the room. It's the elephant in the room. It's it's there, and I want. I I'm so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> and or Stadia and all this stuff. And so it's kind of like there are still great games coming in 2019, but I'm kind of just like, yeah, 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 yaying them, trying to look ahead to 2020. Yeah. And that's still too far away. I think that you put that very well. Yeah, I, I agree. It is a, it is an odd year for E3. And, uh, we, you know, we're just getting started talking about it. We're going to be back at the end of the week with our, with our thoughts about the, the whole show and stuff we had hands on with. So stick with us, but it's been fun talking to you. Christian, uh, these two nights about all the the big reveals and and all the press conferences and uh, doing our little little extra episode. Been fun. Yeah. Oh, the other thing to mention is Xbox released their final like backwards compatibility thing. So they've done a good job bringing those games up. Um, all the Splinter Cell games, um, all of the rare games are getting like the 4K Xbox One X treatment kind of bump. Yeah um so go go look up that list at your leisure but yeah jeff this is awesome it's one of my favorite times of year thanks for carving out the time and i'm glad uh i got an optimistic jeff because i've certainly had to record these after my basketball team loses and it's not fun it would have been a very different show if uh (laughs) if we had lost game five but we're we live we live to breathe we live to we live to fight again so hopefully game six will go our way as well uh but yes all right christian tell people where they can follow you online and keep up with the things you're doing yeah twitter's the best way at spicer and i stream this show most every time on my twitch which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer jeff what about you uh you can follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada and it's followed with two n's and one t uh you can listen to me talk about movies and tv shows on the slash Filmcast. we're talking about the new season of black mirror this week should be an interesting, lively discussion. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. And then I am DMing a live play Dungeons and Dragons show called The Dungeon Run, which is only, uh, we'll be doing our eighth episode this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time. You can find that at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. It's also available on YouTube or as an audio podcast. Some people really enjoy listening to them as an audio podcast, uh, wherever you get audio podcasts. So check out The Dungeon Run. I'm really proud of it. It's a, it's a lot of fun, really a cool group of people playing D&D. 
All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks. I always got to thank, I forgot last night, but I got to thank uh, Sean Madigan for the awesome E3 hype train bumper that we only get to roll out a very specific time of year. So let's keep that train a rolling. We are, we got a whole week uh, on the hype train. So let's get back on and head to the next stop. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Chugga, 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 chugga.